So our, our theme now for today and for last week and for next Sunday is a living hope. A living hope. Amen. And First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The message says this, that we can have a confidence which is alive because Jesus came back to life. Well, since he came back, we can have a comeback. And so what is hope? We stated last week that hope is a confident, favorable expectation. That hope basically is a happy anticipation of good, of good. Now, God has given us hope, but hope that has been given needs to be nurtured. And it needs to be protected. Otherwise, the hope that he's placed in our hearts can fade and grow dim. Okay? Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, many of you are familiar with this scripture. It says, now abideth faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I want you to notice that hope is sandwiched right in between faith and love. Now, the word abide there means it lives. And now liveth faith. Now liveth hope. Now liveth charity. So we could say here that hope is alive. Hope is a living thing. Our hope is in direct correspondence to the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Now, the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 1.18. And he said that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Look at your neighbor and say, God's called us to hope. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Did you know that you have an inheritance? An inheritance is something that you receive here, right now. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now, part of your inheritance, I do understand, is reserved in heaven for you. But a part of your inheritance is something that you can tap into right now. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 tells us part of our inheritance. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say it with me, I'm blessed already. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just think about some of the blessings that belong to you now. For example, are we not blessed with peace? How about blessed with righteousness? The fruit of the Spirit. Blessed with revelation knowledge. Blessed with divine health. Blessed with the presence of the Lord. You know, it's really good to come into a church where you can sense Him. Aren't you glad it's not dead in here? It's not dry in here. It's alive in here. It's living in here. Why? Because he is alive. And he is in our midst. And so part of your inheritance is to have a good, strong local church where not only the word of God is taught and preached, but where the presence of the Lord can be felt. And so that you can... Get your healing in your body. And if you come in a little bit discouraged, you can leave encouraged. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You might come in a little sad, but glory to God. You get a little stride back in your glide and you leave glad. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says he has made me glad. Not he has made me sad. He has made me glad. Well, that's what the corporate anointing will do for you. That's what the presence of God will do for you. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the presence of God, there's a fullness that takes place. Not a fullness of sorrow. Not a fullness of being bummed out. But a fullness of joy. I'm telling you what, you get in the presence of God, it becomes joy unspeakable and filled with the glory of God, filled with the presence of God, filled with the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Say it with me, my hope is alive. alive. Say it again, my hope is alive. alive. Now, W.E. Vine says this about inheritance. He said, the New Testament idea of inheriting broadens out to include all spiritual good provided through and in Christ and particularly all that is contained in the hope grounded on the promises of God. See, in the world, hope quickly runs out. But in the word, hope can get stronger and stronger. If you go outside of these walls, it doesn't take very long to see a very despondent society. People are walking around with no sense of vision, no sense of purpose, and as a result, their hopes have been deferred. And the Bible says when your hope is deferred, it will cause your heart to stoop. That is why so many people are bummed out and living way beneath their rights and privileges in Christ Jesus because they're not taking time to feed on the word which will buoy up their hope. You see, the Bible says that we through the scriptures will have patience and we will have comfort and we will have hope. I like the psalmist. He said, you are my hiding place and my shield. And I hope in your word. I hope in your word. Vines goes on to say of the thought of inheritance, he says this, an inheritance is that which is received as a gift rather than a reward for law keeping. In other words, your inheritance isn't earned, your inheritance is received. Sonship is something that you and I are born into. Sonship is not something we attain to. Sonship is something that has been made available through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And beloved, now we are the sons of God with an inheritance that puts us all on an equal plane. I'm thanking God that God is an equal opportunity blesser. Amen. Oh, glory to God. It is your birthright. Or that which is entered in because of sonship. Sonships. You see, God's blessings are not dependent on you. God's blessings in your life are dependent upon Him. As a matter of fact, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout this whole auditorium today. And He wants to heal. He wants to bless. He wants to save. He wants to fill. He's looking for somebody to pour His Spirit out upon. He's looking for someone to be good to. He's looking for someone to lift and someone to bless. 
And my response is, Lord, don't look any further. And that ought to be your response. Just lift up your hands and say, Lord, don't look any further. I receive, Lord. I receive. Amen. Look with me over at Isaiah chapter 30 now. And let's look at verse 18. And I want to look at it from the Amplified Version. This is so good. This is so good. It says here, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits. He expects. He's looking. And He's longing to be gracious to you. And therefore He lifts Himself up. Looking. That He may have mercy on you. And show loving kindness to you. Aren't you glad that His mercy makes up for the goofy things in our lives? Now, I didn't call you goofy, but we've all done some goofy things. Thank God His mercy endures forever. And so, the Lord God is a God of justice, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are all those, that's you and me, who earnestly wait for Him, who expect and look and long for Him, His victory... His favor, His love, His peace, His joy, His matchless, unbroken fellowship. Oh man, that's something to get happy about. Now if you look at the context of this scripture, here's what this is basically saying. That God is waiting to be good to those who are waiting for Him to be good to them. (laughs) Let me say that again, that's a mouthful. God is waiting to be good to those who are waiting for Him to be good to them. Hallelujah! I'm expecting His goodness to show up in my life every day. You know, Oral Roberts says something good's about to happen to you. I'm declaring that something good is happening to you right now. We've discussed how important it is that we learn how to wait properly and that we don't allow our hopes to grow dim or to keep it alive. Last week we talked about that the expectation of the righteous is gladness and how that the God of hope would so fill us up with joy and peace as we believe Him and as a result of our believing Him, expecting and looking for His things to happen in our life, the Scripture says we will bubble over and we will abound with hope. Amen? We are to wait additionally, not only with joy, but we're to wait with composure. I like Romans 8, 25, and you don't need to turn there. It says, but if we hope For that which is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. You know what composure means? Composure doesn't mean you're 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 so cool, you know, that you're all that, you know, and that you're you know you're kind of going down life like this. You know, composure is not that. Composure means that you've got your emotions in control. So that when the enemy comes to distract you and try to rob you of your faith and rob you of your hope, your attitude is, guess what? I shall not be, I shall not be moved because I am in control of my emotions. My emotions are not controlling me. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 in the Amplified Version. 
I know one thing for sure, that the passage of time is a hope thief. The passage of time will try to rob you of your hope. And this is so important in Hebrews 10, 23. He says, so then let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering this hope that we cherish. Did you know that hope is a precious thing? Hope is to be cherished. But hope that is not retained, hope that is not nurtured, and hope that is not fed will cause us to waver. In other words, we'll become double-minded. You know, one day we'll be full of hope and full of expectation, but then the distractions come and then all of a sudden we have two minds and we're wavering. But the Bible tells you that you can hold fast to that hope. If you will hold it fast in your spirit, it will not be robbed from you. Now notice, we cherish and we confess and we acknowledge our hope. Listen, dear friends, our hopes should be talked about a lot. We should have faith buddies. Here's a faith buddy of mine right here. Amen. Tony and I have known each other for years. Pastor Tom and I are faith buddies. Brother Jimmy Richardson and I, we're, we're faith buddies. Now, what's a faith buddy? A faith buddy is someone you can call on the telephone and say, Tell me how healed I am again. <laughs> could, could you just tell me one, one more time? I need to hear it one more time. Tell me God meets my needs. That's my faith buddy. And a faith buddy is also someone that, you know, you can share your heart with. You can share vision with. Your wife should be your faith buddy. Your husband should be your faith buddy. You should be able to talk your dreams and talk your vision. You see, the acknowledgement of your dreams and the acknowledgement of your vision will keep your vision and your hopes alive. Oh, hallelujah. So let's pull it back up there. Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope that we cherish. And let's talk about it. Talk about it, but also talk about him. Woo! I said talk about him. Talk about him who is so good. Talk about him how he brought you through last week, last year, last decade. Talk about the faithfulness of God. How good your God has been to you. Notice. Talk about how reliable he has been. And how reliable he is. And how faithful and how sure he is to his word. Has the Lord ever healed your body? Don't you know he'll do it again? Has the Lord ever caused your bills to be paid? Don't you know that he'll do it again? Faithful is our God who will also do it. Faithful is him that calleth you. And so he's called us to win in life and to triumph in life. You are not a loser trying to win. You are a winner and Satan's trying to convince you that you're a loser. But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, hold fast, will you? Now let's look at verse 35 and 36 of Hebrews 10. He said, now here's what you got to make sure you don't do. 
Don't cast away your hope, your confidence. Because your hope and your confidence is going to bring a reward into your life if you will not let it go. Because I am a rewarder of those that will diligently seek me. And if you will diligently seek me with your faith and with your hope, I will always reward my people with good things. Amen. Amen. For you have need. I have need of it. We all have need of this. We all have need of patience. Why? That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What is patience? Patience is simply being consistently consistent at all times. Patience isn't giving up. Patience isn't letting go. Through faith and patience, you and I will inherit the promises. He says, don't be lazy. Because when you operate in faith and patience, you will surely inherit your promise. Now here's the problem. Many times people sink into a state of sadness and heaviness and lose their courage and strength when their hope is deferred. An example of this is the children of Israel. I want you to look at this one. Numbers chapter 21, if you would. And look with me at verse 4. Numbers 21. Numbers 21 and verse 4. Now, I want you to keep in mind now that it is through faith and patience that we do what? Through faith and patience, we do what? We inherit the promise. Sons inherit, right? The promise is now. But now notice this in Numbers 21, speaking of the children of Israel. Ready, read. And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way to the Red Sea. To go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient, depressed, much discouraged because of the trials of the way. Notice they became what? Impatient. What did did them become impatient do? It opened the door to depression. Neither give place to impatience. For the enemy then can come in with depression. I'm not talking about the kind of depression that hospitalizes people. I'm talking about the kind of depression that you're just down. You just got that sinking feeling. You can't seem to to face life with the vim and the vigor and the vitality that you used to. Impatience is an open door. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And then also discouragement. Now it shows us why they became impatient. And this is why we also become impatient and then are unable to inherit the promises. Notice the rest of the verse. Because of the what? Because of the trials of the way. (laughs) Because of the trials that they faced, they lost their patience. They let go of their confidence and they let their hope slip. Okay? Now, temptations, testings, and trials come to each and every one of us. There is no temptation, the Bible says, taken us, but such as is common to man. We all face them, but not all of us overcome them. Why is it that some overcome the trials of the way and others do not overcome the trials of the way? The reason why many are not overcoming is they grow impatient. 
And in your patience, you will possess your souls. In other words, your mind will grow weary in well-doing when impatience is on the scene. But, I got good news for you. In the New Testament, God has placed on the inside of you and me the ability to hold steady. The Bible says, this hope that I have given you serves as an anchor to your soul. It serves as an anchor to your soul. That when things would try to move us here and move us there, and the storms would come and try to get us way off. Glory to God. The hope of God and the word of God anchors my soul. Now here are a couple ingredients that will help you not to get depressed and discouraged because of the trials of the way. Turn with me to James chapter 1 verse 1. James the first chapter. You getting anything out of this yet? James the first chapter. Oh, I love the Lord, don't you? James chapter 1 verse 1 and we'll go ahead and look at it in the uh, King James version if we could. James chapter 1, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. Well, it's also written to you because it's the word. Verse 2, my brethren and sistren as well, count it, what? What? Now, first and foremost, the word count there is an accounting term. So what he's saying here is mark it down. The trials are going to come. But if you will be ready for the trial before it comes, you can mark this down that the joy of the Lord in the midst of your test will see you through. He said, my brethren, count it all joy. Not if. Not if. Too many Christians are living in la-la land. They think I'm, I'm a Christian now, I'm spirit-filled, no problems. No, it's more like welcome to problems. Welcome to challenges. So it's not a question whether or not you're going to be tempted or not. The question is, is when and with what? <laughs> you know? When will you be tempted and with what will you be tempted with? Okay? So he said, my brethren, count it all joy. In other words, mark it down. When you fall into different temptations, testings, and trials. You see, there are some tests and trials along the way of life that we just bump into. We didn't look for it. We didn't ask for it. But it came anyway. All right? Now, a lot of people are going through tests and trials because they did look for it. And they bumped into it and they'll never get out of it because they like it. But that ain't you, right? Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't you. Look at your other neighbor and say, I hope it ain't you. So my brethren, count it, what? All joy. Jesus didn't say, in the world you'll have tribulation, so get depressed and sad and give up. 
Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Being of good cheer is the same as saying, count it all joy. Hallelujah. Okay, you couple those together. Amen. For I've overcome the world. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Next verse. Knowing this. So this is something that you need to know as a Christian. Know this in your Christianity. Know this. That the trying of your faith, and I will say hope as well, it works something. In other words, when the squeeze is on and the joy bubbles up, the trying of your faith will employ patience. See, worketh is the same way as saying employs. So when you are tempted and tested and tried, count it all joy and your patience will go to work on your behalf. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. And look what the result is. Are you ready to shout? Verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work. The Amplified says, let it do a thorough work in you. You're patient from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Let patience do a thorough work in you. Read the rest with me and shout that you may be perfect and entire. Now about a, th- about a third of you got that. Let's read the rest of the verse again. That you may be perfect and entire. Well, so, so then, if we're wanting nothing, are we not inheriting the promises? Through faith and patience, you and I, we're inheriting the promises. And I say by the word of the Lord that God's moving on your behalf right now. God is moving Some things your way. There's some things coming your way. There is an inheritance that belongs to you right now. Don't you give up. Don't you back down. Rejoice in the hope of glory. And you will see the manifestation of your inheritance come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm happy today because Jesus is alive. I'm happy today because I'm holding firm. I'm holding steady on the promises of God. Now listen to this statement. If, that's a condition. If you and I really, really believe things, believe that things will change, And that the problems we face cannot last forever. There's no reason to become upset. There's no reason for you to become depressed about it. Look at me at Hebrews chapter 11 if you would. God is just so good. He is just so good to you. He's so good to us. Hallelujah. A living hope. A living hope. God can turn that situation around for you, sir, just like that. 
God can turn your mourning into dancing for you, ma'am, just like that. God can bring the right person into your life, young lady, just like that. Don't go seeking him. Seek me. And if you will seek me, there'll be no want to you. For I am good to those who seek me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sir, don't let fear stop you. Keep moving in faith. Keep moving in confidence. Don't allow those fears to grip you and to overcome your thought life. But yea, think thoughts of me, saith the Lord, for I am thinking thoughts concerning you. Your future is ever so bright. Do not allow the enemy to darken your soul with thoughts of lack and thoughts of failure. You are not a failure in me. You are a winner in me. So trust me. Hold fast to me. And know that even in your midnight hour, I am working diligently on your behalf. Hold fast, retain your hope without wavering, for I'm faithful and I love you and my hand is upon you for good. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't you worry, ma'am. Don't you worry about your grandson. Don't you worry about your granddaughter. I've said in my word that the effectual prayers of a righteous person does avail much. And your prayers, not only of yesterday, but of yesteryear and yester, yester decade, are before me, saith the Lord. And know that my hand is upon your loved ones, and they'll have no way out. For I'll make a way in the midst of darkness, and they'll come to the light soon and very soon. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't you back down, sir. Don't you back off. Don't you give up. Hold on. Hold steady. Yea, joy comes in the morning. Even though tears may have endured for a night. Know this, that I am your God and I am your light. And your future in me is ever so bright. So don't back off just because it hasn't happened yet. But retain and hold fast. And hold on to me, saith the Lord, for I'm holding on to you. Declare daily that his goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And my goodness will take you right on through that test. And you will know glory and you'll operate in my rest. And the things that I put in your heart shall surely come to pass. So rejoice and be glad. It's a good day to be alive. Keep your hope alive and rejoice in the Lord your God. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. For I am a God who makes a way where there is no way. I make a table right in the midst of the wilderness. I am good. I am God. Trust me. Hold fast to me. And you shall surely see it come to pass. Ooh, glory to God. Glory to God.
Hallelujah. 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 Become fully persuaded upon my promises. Don't play with my words, saith the Lord. Work with my word and let my word work in you. Yea, I said in my word, let my word dwell in you richly, meaning lavishly and abundantly. You cannot become fully persuaded playing around with the promise boxes. You cannot become fully persuaded in my word by being a person that is casual. Yea, saith the Lord, I am a rewarder of those that will diligently seek me. Part of your due diligence with me is to let my word abide in you richly. And I would remind you that I said in my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. But be casual and be partial, partially committed and casual, take it or leave it. You will not receive the rewards. It's time for my church to become serious. Oh, yes, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but you still must take my yoke upon you. This is not a take it or leave it. This is take me all the way, receive me all the way, and I'll minister to you in your life. You'll make it all the way. Hallelujah. Now. You know, I have been uh, partially full of the word, and I've been partially persuaded. (laughs) And I've discovered that if I'm only partially persuaded of a promise, then it's easy for me to get double-minded. Because when you're partially full, that means there's room for something else. Okay? But when you're all the way full, that means there's no room for anything else. And the will of God for me and you is for us to be filled with all the fullness of God, of love, and His Word. See, Abraham, the way that he obtained the promise was, is he became fully persuaded. That what God had promised him, he was able to perform. See, he was not only fully persuaded in the promise, but he was fully persuaded in the promise keeper. He was fully persuaded in the one who gave the promise, the promise keeper, and the promise performer. He knew that his God was faithful and that his God was reliable. And so as a result, Abraham being fully persuaded, he then was able to, amen, become the father of many nations. Now here's what I want you to see today. Faith is a persuasion. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. The Lord's going to help me do this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, I want you to read that with me, if you would. Let's all wait till we get there. We get on the same page. Okay, you all set? You all good? Everybody comfortable? All right, let's read it together. Now, faith is... The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Read it one more time. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. Now faith is. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Faith and God's word are synonymous. You cannot separate faith from the word or the word from faith. That's what, why Paul said this is the word of faith which we preach. I mean, it would be like trying to separate the water from the wet. Where does the water end and the wet begin? They're one. God's word and faith are one. They're synonymous. Okay? So, we could read it this way. Now, the word of God is. That's our hope. That's our confidence. And the word of God is not only substantial and the foundation of our lives, but it also gets us to a place of being fully persuaded. So we could say that the word of God or faith is a persuasion. The more you're in the word and the word is in you, the more persuaded you get. Okay? So faith is a persuasion, but what is hope? Hope is an expectation. So, when we are in the word and in faith, we are fully persuaded, hallelujah, and it feeds our expectation to the degree that because we are persuaded, we are expecting God's word to come to pass in our lives. Now, the word of God is, we could say it this way. Faith is the foundation that expectation stands on. See, I could never expect my life to be healed or my bills to be paid if I didn't have God's promise on it. But because I have the promise, I become fully persuaded that the promise is true and then I get into expectation of what is true coming to pass in my life. And the Word of God, my dear friends, is no respecter of persons. It's no respecter of persons. God's Word works, doesn't it, Brother Luan? How many of you can testify that the Word is alive in your life? And that the Word of God works? So the Spirit of the Lord is saying, to keep your hopes alive, stay fully persuaded. And as you are fully persuaded, your expectation will follow suit. Now listen. Turn me to Jeremiah 29. That's probably not as clear as I'd like it to be, but as good as I can do right now. Say it with me. Isn't God so good? <laughs> Woo, glory. I got, I got riled up in the first service, and I'm riled up right now. But you know what? I just sense something's happening right now. I sense that people's hopes are coming alive. Hallelujah. I sense some of you may have come in a little bit down, a little bit sad, but you're going to leave glad. Hallelujah. You're going to leave with your hopes pumped up. 
tomorrow you're going to be looking for your Bible. Let me find a scripture. I got to get persuaded of something that's true because I'm expecting something good to happen in my life. Oh, Jesus. God's moving. God's got a plan for you. Look at your neighbor and say, something good is happening to you right now. Say it again. Something good is happening to me right now. Oh, glory to God. I'm not going to apologize. It's like fire shut up in my bones today. Woo! Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. His word is alive. Our hope is alive. Something good. Something good is happening to us. Woo! Hallelujah. And like my spiritual dad said one time, he says, that's when God's word starts to work for you. When you just get so excited about it that you just can't stand it. You just got to have more. You just got to run. You got to shout. You got to dance. You don't know what to do, but you know something good is happening for you. Smile, everybody. Say with me, he's made me glad. Hallelujah. Now listen to the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. The thought of the scripture is this. That God has thoughts and plans for our good and not for evil. To give us hope in our final outcome. You may have had a rough spot the last few years. But listen, it ain't over yet. It's not over yet. Some of you might have lost some money on your home. You may even have lost your home. Did you know they build new ones every day? Some of you may have been cheated out of this or cheated out of that. Did you know that God is a God who recompenses? He said to Abraham, he said, I am thy shield and I am your abundant compensation. So you just stay sweet. You stay in love. You stay in joy. You stay in faith. You stay in hope and watch the hand of the Lord work on your behalf. Somebody says, yeah, I've been spit on. I've been used. I've been abused. Well, God says your latter days are going to be much better than your former days. That I'm going to restore to you the years that Satan has ripped off from you. My eyes are upon you, saith the Lord, and know this, that I am working on you right now. And not only am I working on you, but I'm working for you. There's some things that are happening in the spirit realm that we can't see with these eyes. But if we'll look very carefully down here, we know that God's moving. Say it with me. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. God's working. And so I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Good thoughts. Thoughts of peace and shalom with nothing missing, nothing broken, and not of evil. 
I'm going to give you an expected end, which means your hope and your final outcome is going to be better than you could ever think or imagine. And then let's close in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Listen, my dear friends, there's no situation in your life too difficult for God to turn around. The Bible says that all things are possible to him that believeth. And I say today, by the word of the Lord, that you're not in this place by accident. God brought you here for a specific purpose. He brought you here to be encouraged. He brought some of you here to be saved. He brought others used to get back to God. But you know what else? He brought some of you here to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just know this. One thing for sure. Your steps today have been definitely ordered by the Lord. You, listen, you are not here by accident. You are here by divine appointment. Divine appointment. And he said in Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified, that you're my workmanship, you're created in me, that you're born anew to do good works. I predestined and planned beforehand. Here's what I saw during worship for you. That you would take the paths, that you would walk on the paths that I have prepared for you ahead of time. Your path has directed you here today. And for some of you, this path is going to introduce you to Jesus. For others of you, it's going to introduce you to restoration. And for others of you, it's going to introduce you to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so there's paths that He has prepared for you and me ahead of time. Think about it. Wow. Not that we should casually think about it. No, that we should walk in them. Listen, when a divine appointment knocks on your door, your response should be, yes, Lord. I receive, Lord. That we should walk in them, living the good life, which He has prearranged and made ready for us to live in. Friends, a good life is a life where your hope is alive. A good life is a life where you're full of joy. And so let me introduce some of you today to the Master. I want to introduce some of you today to the Master Planner of the universe. Let me reintroduce some of you to His love for you. Perhaps you've been like the prodigal of old and you've gotten away from God and you felt unworthy, God loves you. His arms are like this to you. How about you? Will you open your heart? For others of you today, I want to introduce you to the mighty, precious baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of Pentecost that will literally put dynamite in your spirit and will explode Satan's domain in your life. He's here today.